Yeah, it could be a. Uh, even though we weren't recording, it could be. You know, <laughs> okay, even though we weren't recording, that could be the uh, episode title. Um, um, although since it wasn't recording, I better write it down. Well, but th- that it wasn't recorded is simply the chef's kiss. The chef's kiss. I'm sorry. Hang on. I'll come back to the microphone in a second. I just got to try to find my. I, oh, come on. There he goes again. I re I I rearranged my home office yesterday, and and so I haven't quite got all my stuff set up yet. <coughs> so uh, what did I say? I said aggressively unprofessional. Non-professional. Non-professional. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, all right. Now, now I can have a lot of background noise from you, Jack. Just saying. Yeah, that's me banging around. Banging, slapping, slapping your pin down on yeah. your pad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So one zero zero. Okay. Uh, did this really happen? I just. I, I'm. I'm. I don't. I. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I'm buying this. Okay. Uh, this one of you guys put this on the list and Twitter. It's not. It's not April first. So. No, I know. I, I saw a reference to this on Twitter yesterday too, um, and so people. I don't know. You know. You know what we're talking, David. You know what we're talking about here. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there are reports from airline pilots, apparently. Well, there are reports that yeah. airline pilots are saying this. I don't know if I've actually heard an airline airline pilot reporting, but that that while on on the approach to LAX, I think yesterday, uh, they saw quote unquote a guy in a jetpack at altitude. Right? I don't know, and it's like, you know, it's twenty twenty, so anything's possible. I mean, it's just right, but. What do you, have you heard anything that makes you think this could be real? It's 2020. Yeah. Anything anything can happen. Yep. Ain't that the truth? Well, uh, and the fact that they seem to have gotten audio from between, between the aircraft and uh, the tower off of, uh, I presume, Pasco's site, uh, that would lend a little credence to the uh, to the story. Mm-hmm. If it yeah. came, you know, from uh, uh, live ATC, I didn't bother to click on the links here to the to. No, the, I'm just the, doing the that local right now TV here. stations. So. Airline. This is from um, the, the War Zone, actually from thedrive.com. Their their section called the War Zone. Airline pilots landing at LAX report quote a guy in a jetpack unquote flying alongside them. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, now, I, you know, if this was some guy in a Mooney, um, okay, you know, maybe not. But according to this news report, uh, there's three different airliners. Um, are like, we just passed a guy in a little jetpack. Um, and this was, according to, according to the tower, a tower transmission made on the frequency. Um, this is to JetBlue 23. Use caution. A person in a jetpack reported <laughs> 300 yards south of the L.A. final at about 3,000 feet, 10-mile final. Well, that's a little segment of audio that we have to save somehow, some way. Um, that's, so now is this a uh, – do we? Th- I mean, I, I, I don't we don't know, know what in, kind of jetpack. Yeah, that's my question. Is it a, yeah. is it a sort of a James Bond type of jetpack, or is it these more recent guys who wear a jet wing on their back and fall we, out of we helicopters? Don't, we don't know because that, that's the pictures that they've sh- they're showing here lo- down lower in the story as an example. Not this, they're not saying this is the incident, um, but uh, they're showing other they're showing what 
images they have of of uh this is the jet man the uh what's yeah the, what's uh, this jet pack called i forget i, now. I forget also but yeah um eves uh, rossi's jet man that's it that's yeah. it yeah uh emirates did a thing a stunt i don't want to call it a stunt it was a promotion yeah it was a um, that's, that's, two or three yeah. four years ago um where they had this guy the jet man um uh, fly in formation with i don't know if it was a 380 or trip seven but oh, the image here is well it's a four engine so i'd say it's a trip that's, seven. that's a 380 yeah Oh, that's a three eight. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got about half flaps out <laughs> too. Yeah, he's, he's like uh, you know, it's like put slow flight in your logbook yeah, today. Right, right over the top of Dubai, and and with two of these these jetpack guys, um, it's hard to tell from the image, um, but it looks like they're a good five. Well, a good couple of hundred feet yeah. above. And to the left of this 380. Oh. <laughs> like, like, so this is the radio tower, American 1997. We just passed a guy in a jetpack, and the tower says, American 1997. Okay, thank you. Are they off your left or your right? <laughs> okay. Well, this is like uh, I have to talk to uh, 172 Drew. This is he. Dri- he flies, you know, overhead LAX more or less daily, going to and from work. Um, and uh, I'll have to see what he knows about this. But. The SkyWest must have been um, like a, um, a shorts 360 or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, because he says, we just saw the guy passing by us in the jetpack. So I don't know if it could be going the other way, but. Dollars to know that's the jetpack outran the SkyWest flight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it's got to be a, a terrible prop. No, no RJ captain in, in there. Yeah. No self-respecting RJ captain would fly that slow. Uh, well, I mean, he's on he's on final, so well, uh, you he's know, still doing you know a buck what? forty, buck sixty. Yeah. Okay. Well, but I'm sure. Those jetpack guys go faster than 140. Um, not with me, they're not. Uh, at least once. I don't know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so, you know, yeah. we're, we're obviously interested in, in more evidence. Yes. Yes. We want to hear more accounts of this. And I will check in with 172 Drew just because he's plugged into that community. He lands at Long Beach a lot, so he may have some some behind-the-scenes information about what happened over there. Well, the thing that jumps out at me here is that uh, if he's on final for uh, L.A. at, at 3,000 feet and 10 miles out, uh, it has to be something like uh, Rossi's jetpack because none of the other stuff can go 10 miles. Yeah. Right, I wouldn't think that the James Bond jet, if there is even a flying James Bond jetpack these days, I don't know if there And is. that was only good for 30 oh, seconds, 20 right. seconds. And that's what when I first heard this and the and the first the first report of this I saw on Twitter was accompanied by a picture of that jetpack in the air. Right. And and I thought, um, and I I sort of thought it was an actual picture, which I don't think in now in retrospect that it was, but uh um Anyways, so all right. Well, I don't know whether we'll learn more about this or not. When I when I first heard about this or saw this or whatever it was, I thought it was one of those um, fan like fan driven 
um, jetpacks. Uh, some some people have taken to putting, you know, just like you do a, a drone, use a lot of motors. Yeah, uh, they they've created some some contraptions that that have motors and turn small pro- ducted propellers, basically ducted fans. And and and. Get and get off the from, ground and get, get off the ground from, yeah, yeah okay. it's basically it's like a helicopter yeah okay so it's, it's right. yeah. okay yeah. they get off the ground but i don't think they have the altitude duration or, or speed to do this yeah well we don't know that they did it very long um uh, so. well they did it for, you know, they, well, did it right. for, they did it for three or four minutes uh, three, or four, three or four different arrivals. So yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah okay. three or four three different arrivals and if you figure they're spaced about a minute apart um hey yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. But you know, pick, uh, picks or it didn't happen. Don't try this at home. Yeah. Right. Don't yeah. even try this at LAX. Yeah. Well, definitely don't try it at LAX. Um, if you must try it at home, but um, don't. We got a whole bunch of off-field landings of the week this episode. It's like um, a, it's like a uh, an, uh, an epidemic. It's twenty twenty. Um, so uh, duh. This one uh, is from Illinois. A small plane slides off runway at Illinois Airport, stops in street where a car drives up its wing. Uh, well, that's that's just bad luck. That's disconcerting. Yeah. Uh, what is this airplane? I want to say Tobago, Tobango. It's to- it's it's uh, experimental. It is. David, it says, you're it the, says so in the in the. You're photo the one, case. David. David, who's good at pretending you recognize all these airplanes. What is it you think this one is? Uh, couldn't tell you. Oh. Uh, it looks like a... Uh, Ariga is what the caption says. Uh-huh. It's an Ariga. Yeah, don't know that one. Yeah. Anyways, low wing, um, uh, uh, you know, probably, f- well, if it's exper- well, no, four seat. Um, anyways, we're, sh- we're looking at a picture of it here on the highway um, with one of its main gear collapsed and literally a car driven up the wing. Um, and... Uh, that's just yeah. It's like, like we're gonna make it. We're gonna land on the road. We're gonna land on the highway. It's gonna work. We're gonna roll. What the heck? Either that or that's the most expensive free parking scheme I've ever seen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. What does this story have to say here? Anyways, well, it's the, not the most reputable <clears throat> news source in the world, but I'll read it anyways. Um, a, a little bit of googling tells me that um, yeah. this um, had its origin as a um, as the creative flight aerocat excuse me let me restate that creative flight aerocat uh wikipedia describes it as a canadian built or canadian designed mid-wing all composite four passenger experimental aircraft under development since 1998 okay Um, and it's been since renamed uh, uh the company has since been renamed Auriga Design. I see. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, uh, there's a tweet here from the Register Star, whatever that is, probably a public uh, a, a newspaper is my first guess. Uh, the pilot of the plane says the engine quit five miles after takeoff, and he had to make an emergency crash landing. I, I, the, the, and the main reason I read this out loud. I, I, yeah, I, I know where you're going. All right, is is that th- this is not simply a crash landing. This was an emergency crash landing. Yeah, um, right. and <laughs> well, which came first, the emergency or the crash? I know. And, right. and and I would be interested to learn how much the the car contributed to the crash part. 
Yeah, because he may well have been landing just fine, and uh, um, yeah, that'll that'll ruin your day. Although you would, you know, how do you? I'm thinking that the gear collapsed, and that's how the car managed to drive up the wing. Otherwise, it would have just hit the end yeah. of the wingtip and crushed it or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, probably slid under it. Or gone under it. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So the only re- way the car, that, that's the way I'm envisioning it here. That's the way I'm picturing it, is that the only way the car drives up the wing is if the wing tip's already on the ground. Um, but anyways, oh, Winnebago yeah. County, That's but not our Winnebago well, County. This is well, Winnebago County. Illinois. 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 Yeah. You know what the, the car owner should do, though? What's that? Um, just below, on the driver's side, just below the window, he should paint a silhouette of an airplane. Yeah, okay. Yeah. David, you were trying to get in there. What would you say? Uh, it's obvious that the uh, prop wasn't turning when this all came together. Uh, you're right. It's not dinged up, so there's that. Yeah. Now, wait a minute, is it? I don't know. Hang it, on. It, well, somewhere know. somewhere here it said that he lost power. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it wouldn't have been turning. All and that's right. why he was making the, the landing, the, the emergency crash landing. <laughs> Yeah, it says uh, uh, it says uh, deputies from the county sheriff's department uh, uh, called to the, responded to the scene on Friday after a single engine Auriga or Auriga Auriga experimental aircraft, which by the way they put in quotes. That's important. Experimental aircraft yeah, plowed that- through a fence <laughs> and skidded into the street. Officials with the FAA confirmed the pilot um, James Siebel told the uh, Rockford Register Star that he was forced to make an emergency landing after his engine quit, also in quotes, um, shortly. I don't know why these are in quotes. Um, uh, it didn't really quit. It just kind of quit. I'm making finger quotes. Uh, <coughs> and here's the money quote. Yeah. Well, it didn't read the it's, next it, graph. Uh, it, it, didn't give, it didn't give two weeks notice. Yeah, yeah okay. that's right. That's right. Uh, so uh, the, pilot, the pilot apparently said, I made an emergency crash landing. I'm fine. The only thing that hurts are my pocketbook and my psyche. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, anyways, uh, all, I mean, uh, all the odd and weird craziness aside, yeah. congratulations yeah. to uh, pilot James Siebel for uh, getting himself on the ground safely. I mean, and uh, um, the airplane won't be flying anytime soon, but uh, but uh, it'll probably fly again. Yeah. I, later on, there's a story I want to ask questions about a similar, not a similar, but a similar situation. <laughs> now I'm making finger quotes. A similar situation. Similar um, situation. But we'll probably come back to that later on. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, okay. so so with all of that going on, what have you been up to, Jack? Same old, same old, man. It's uh, it's uh, uh, you know Groundhog Day continues. Um, it's they're all the same. Um, it uh, it is actually starting to feel like fall up here. I know you're gonna. This is gonna make oh, Jeb just just. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to mute you. Yeah, okay. Um, as I alluded to last episode, um, the season has flipped, and it is cooler rather than hotter now. It's supposed to get warm in the next few days, but it's been comfortably nice out. Um, I'm actually, we're actually starting to see, if you look around, um, you can find instances of the leaves on a few trees starting to change. So uh, it's it's kind of that time of year up here. Um and then uh, what else is going on? Last night I had my, uh, we had our fantasy football draft. Um, it's, so the the company that I work for on my day job, and none of us, you know, I mean, and we spend 
a lot of our lives together, living in hotel rooms around America. Um, the longtime listeners will know this. Um, and now we haven't seen each other's faces in six months uh, because of the pandemic. And we're all just kind of sitting at home waiting for the live events world to come back to life. One of the things we've done for years is that uh, we have a little fantasy football league um, and uh, and and so we're not even no one is 100% sure there's going to be football this year but we figured what the heck let's um, it's currently on um, more finger quotes and so uh, we held our, our draft last night and uh, now Having said all this, I, I know almost nothing about football. I do this mostly for the camaraderie of my my coworkers, and this year especially because you know it's like it's I, I, trying to stay in touch with these work friends is uh, important. But, uh, I, I know very little about fantasy football, which I think I'm about to display. But can you have a fantasy football season without a real football season? Probably not. Um, probably not, because that's the way all these fantasy sports are, are kind of are, are based on the statistics that come out of the actual gameplay, and and uh, and so you kind of you kind of embrace a team, more finger quotes, um, and then based on how those players are performing on any given game or week or whatever, you get points. Uh, and and if you get more points than your fellow team members, then you won. And uh, that's a very, I'm sure there are some listeners, are some serious fantasy sports people who would do a much better job of explaining this. Um, so, you know, and I'm not a football person. I'm a baseball person. Again, long-time listeners will know that. Um, and But when this league got started about five, six years ago. At first, I was going to not participate because um, I'm not a football person. Um, But I wanted to, you know, kind of team building and all that kind of thing. And I discovered that although I still don't particularly care for football all that much, um, the the statistics, the the numbers geek in me really likes, because, you know, if you're the fantasy football world is filled with all these stats that you can look at and see how people compare and how many of this they got and how many of that they they ran and and uh, so uh, and that's how I do the draft. I mean I I probably knew three names of players that I saw in the draft last night, but you're always looking at numbers, you know, it's like how's this rating and that's number and how many runs did they do and how many yards did they get and okay, this guy looks good. So anyways, we did our fantasy football draft last night and uh, uh we should start a, a UCAP fantasy uh some sort of fantasy league. I was trying to think if there was a airplane fantasy league we could have. You know, now that would be a fantasy. We could yeah. have. We could have fantasy air races. Yeah, something like yeah, yeah. That's right. See, we could all adopt. Uh, my brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, two, uh, one of my brothers and one of my sisters and I are all fans of the TV show Survivor. And a few years ago, we tried to invent a fantasy Survivor league where we each adopted players from the island and. Uh, it didn't exactly work. I don't know. My, my, my fantasies usually do not involve team sports. Uh, <laughs> but I, I will say, you know, I, I was, as a longtime resident of, of Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. area, I was very uh, interested uh, last month when the, 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 the now known as the Washington football team um, yeah. announced that they were going to change their name. Right. And typically for this team, they got about halfway through the process and had to punt. Yeah, well, it seems that there, it seems that unbeknownst to us, there was a major scandal brewing that broke out soon after. That. Yeah, I, I get I get all that. But come on. Yeah. The, no, that team, the, uh, formerly known as the Redskins, you know, they're the ones that actually lost their copyright or their trademark on the Redskins name about 
five, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, so uh, um, let's see now. Fantasy sports, that's what I've been doing, uh, keeping busy, and, uh, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that's same old, same old. So, I, I did I, want to ask you, though. Yeah. You've got a link on here on the list about the Smoketown 152. Yeah, and I do. And let's come back to that, though. There's no link, unfortunately, but I, I'll talk about it. But first okay. of all, uh, one little bit of business here. It's not business so much as it is uh, uh, appreciation. Um, I, I just wanted to say that uh, if you listeners like what we're doing here with this podcast, please consider supporting it with a financial donation. Uh, as little as a few dollars a month is a big help in covering the expenses of doing this podcast. And there are some expenses. So please, if you're able, helping out would be great. Um you can send uh, individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via PayPal. Uh, I wanted to thank our recent PayPal supporters, Michael, John, and Lars. Thank you very much. Um, or you can become an automatic monthly supporter via the excellent and safe service Patreon. Uh, thank you to some of our uh, Patreon supporters. Uh, we got one new Patreon member this past uh, uh, since the last episode, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Uh, and also a big thank you to uh, some other Patreon uh, uh, members, Tom and uh, let's see, you know, Gregory, Tom, and Jeb, uh, Bill, Russ, and Dan. And so, sorry, I thought I could do that with straight face, and I couldn't. Uh, and so many others. You folks are the best. Thank you very much uh, for information on how I'm providing an. Uh, yeah, that's right. Is that, that it's got to be Jeb uh, applauding for reasons that we may or may not explain. Um, for for more information on how you're uh, providing automatic monthly support, check out Patreon.com/slash Uncontrolled Airspace, or make PayPal donations to the email address podcast at UncontrolledAirspace.com. Um, and I'm just I'm going too fast, or you're not getting this. You can always get this information by clicking on the box in the right hand column of the UCAP homepage. That's at UncontrolledAirspace.com. Thank you to everyone. Um, let's see now, uh, Smoketown 152. So, uh, and you have to be a long-time listener to know what I'm talking about here because we haven't talked about the Smoketown 152 in four or five years, I bet. Um, and, uh, the Smoketown, Jeb, tell us what the Smoketown 152 was. What's his claim to fame? Smoketown 152, uh, is the airplane that twice, not just once, but twice was involved in a, um, evacuation of the U.S. Capitol when it was determined that an unknown airplane was boring down into the Washington, D.C. area as and was suspected uh, and, and um, all Involved. of this was... Yeah, That's an interesting euphemism, right? Like, was, caused. Caused. Caused evacuation, but it was suspected as like a terrorist attack. Well, yeah, 152, man. Um, I mean, doing that 100 knots all the way, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but twice. That's the killer. That's, that's the killer. I could understand the airplane being involved once. Twice, and the same airplane, but two different pilots. Different pilots, different crews, whatever. Same airplane, same in number. Yep, yep. And uh, and so we it became a little bit of a, of a favorite of ours, and we talked about the Smoketown 152. And Smoketown, by the way, is the name of the airport where it was at the time based. Um, and over the years, we actually met, or I met. I don't know if you guys actually I was did. with you, Jack. Yeah, okay. Um, the guy who apparently he runs the FBO, or he's a, he's a CFI, but he's a, 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 a you know principal, if you will, at Smoketown Airport. And and we got to chatting with him about the 152. And, and I'm trying to remember the circumstances. Was he clear he, on the on the celebrity of this airplane? He, we made it clear to him. He was yeah. laughing about it before yeah. we finished with him. But he was he had a... I don't remember. I want to say it was a Fairchild, 
but an old vintage yeah, uh, right. single engine radio powered. That's uh, right. It was on display out it there. Was, on, he won like best barn. in class or something, or, yeah. or maybe maybe best of the show. I forget what. Yeah. So um, the 152 was based at Smoketown, and we kind of followed it. So then, now how this whole story comes about to, to lands on my email uh, the, the last few days is that back then, when the Smoketown 152 was so famous, um, I used I, I plugged it into um, um, Air. Uh, what's it called? Air Scratch. Air Flight Scra- Aware. Flight Aware. Thank you. Sorry. Flight Aware, and I made it one of the two or three airplanes that I get email notices about when they. It used to be when they filed a flight plan. Now it's when they appear on ADSB. Um, and so for years, I would occasionally see that Smoketown 152, because it's, it was a little trainer airplane, it didn't appear in the system all that much back then, um, but it did from time to time. Then about four or five years ago, we heard that it was up for sale and people urged me to try and buy it. And I regret not following up on that now, but I didn't. Uh, and then And then it disappeared. Then it kind of dropped out of sight, and it never appeared in FlightAware, um, and uh, just I didn't know what happened to it. And heard rumors of it finding a new home somewhere in the middle of the country. Uh, and uh, and then about a, two, three, four weeks ago or so, I suddenly started getting FlightAware email notices again um, from... And I'm assuming this is the same airplane. It, uh, so uh, it's all keyed by N number. And I checked, and this is a 152. Um, and, and coincidentally, I got one just this morning. Where did it go here? I wanted to... Uh so uh, 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 November, and, and out of out of respect to the new owners, I'm not going to actually read this tail number, but uh, November one two three four five C one fifty spotted in flight near Buffalo, Minnesota, uh, this morning. Hmm. And uh, here, let me give you guys this link here. Let's see if I copy this, copy, and then I paste it in over here, and do that. Uh, and I don't well, even know what this. He's going to have to stop for gas a couple of times to get to DC yeah. from Buffalo. Yeah, so. I know, right? Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, DC's in in that much danger right now. So, uh, um, and and I'm now every a couple times a week I'm getting emails that this airplane is pretty active up there in in Minnesota. So uh, it has the feel of uh, training missions, but you never know. Um, and uh, you know, the Smoketown 152 lives. Well, the. The FlightAware registration record says it's a 150K, not a 152. And I don't remember it being a 152, so maybe that's just, you know, a type of the gun in here. Yeah, I think I may have embraced the, the, the phrase 152. The 152 uh, yeah. but, but the Smoketown Cessna, 150. Um, so, anyways. Yeah, now yeah. based in Cologne, Minnesota. Yeah. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, what, what you know. What, I don't know what I'm just going to close this. What goes around comes around. What? Uh, uh, hang on here. I'm, I'm, I'm actually stretching while I actually find what's going on. Next. You know, the only thing, the only thing that really comes to mind is if there are any TFRs in Minnesota. Um, let's just you know maybe stay on the ground. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Huh? So, uh, anyways, all right. Um, what else? So um, this is so this is a friend of ours, um, Mike Bush. Um, who runs a, a savvy uh, aviator? What is it called? Savvy aviator? Savvy? Uh, um, and um, he, he runs a, 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 a sort of an aircraft maintenance and 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 whatnot, um, and publishing and media and writes books and magazine articles and uh, 
Um, and uh, and I get his little uh, periodic email, and and I the one that came out recently told an interesting little story um, that I I just kind of like this story, and and so Mike's a friend of ours, um, but it's not certainly not a sponsored thing. Um, he has this program. I want to find the actual name of it, Jeb. You don't happen to, or, I, I believe it's Savvy Maintenance. Savvy Maintenance. So the way it works, it's I think of it, and maybe I'm oversimplifying. I think of it as AAA for airplane owners. Okay, so basically you subscribe to this program. Um, and anywhere, if you're having, you're flying someplace in far away from home, and you have problems with your airplane, you can call them up like 24/7, and a real mechanic will or will talk to you, and you know either you know help you think through the problem, and can help you find resources, and um, it, it's a pretty interesting uh, program. Um, and so, uh, and I've been aware of this program for a long time now. Um, in the email, recent email newsletter, uh, they tell the story of. One one particular uh, instance of this being used, and, I, and I'll just kind of summarize it here. We'll put a link in the show notes to this to this story. But the l- long story short is that this guy was flying his Cirrus SR22 um, um, from from one place to the other out in sort of the northwestish or the central part of the country, the you know mountainous, desertous kind of area of the country, and he stopped at Elko Regional Airport in I believe that's Nevada for gas. And uh, in the process of refueling his airplane, he discovered that he had an oil leak. All right, um, uh, and uh, and obviously not going to go flying. And now it's late in the day on I don't know weekend day or Friday afternoon or something like that. Um, and but he he gets on his phone and and the local FBO mechanic has gone home for the day. That's kind of you know part of the setting the scene here. And so this gentleman uh, whose name actually might be Jack, I'm not sure. Um, so he, uh, uh, he he gets on the phone and he calls um, the the savvy maintenance folks. And even though it's off hours, he gets uh, not just an operator but a real mechanic on the phone. Um, coincidentally, a mechanic who's very familiar with Cirruses, and they talk through this problem and the mechanic asks the pilot to they take send um, cell phone pictures and exchange some pictures and um, long story short they discover that there was a problem um, w- uh, under one of the uh, valve covers and uh, and the and the uh, savvy maintenance guy immediately ordered for delivery a replacement um, air, oil cover, you know, oil um, um, cover or valve cover, Rock, um, rocker cover, rocker cover. Thank you. Um, and uh, and and then managed to get another savvy maintenance person on the phone who was even more knowledgeable of this airplane as they were talking through what was going on. Um, and and so they they almost they basically managed to almost completely diagnose the problem on the ramp that evening um and then the next day or soon afterwards the local mechanic came back and i, I go into all the details here it's just an interesting story that this guy was in the middle of nowhere sort of basically um yet he wasn't alone all right and uh, i like this story not simply because it shows off the the value of this savvy maintenance program um in these days where our technology is kind of doing us wrong a lot, you know, with like, you know, you know, uh, uh, propaganda and, and, and tracking and, and malware and all this bad stuff. I, I also see in this story an example of the technology really serving us in the way that those of us who have been in technology for a long time dreamed that it would. And it did here. The guy's in the middle of nowhere, all right, but he whips out his cell phone and he calls for someone who's on call 24 hours a day who talks to him at the moment, all right? They send photographs back and forth. They get another person on the line. They are able 
to order things online for next day delivery. All right, they are able to. Uh, it's just, I, I think it's a it's a a nice story about technology working. Um, as opposed to a lot of the stories where technology is kind of causing us troubles. So that's my long thing about about this whole story. It's uh, it's also an interesting airplane, you know, kind of troubleshooting story too. If you, I don't know if you guys have read this story, but it's it's all pretty interesting. Um, the headline is uh, is uh, is my engine ruined? Help, um, because it looked like it could be a really bad bad uh, engine problem, and it turned out to be only a medium bad and uh, like. Four days later, he he got stuck in Elko for about four days, but only because it was over the weekend. And plus, there was some shipping. They needed some more parts. It took a little bit longer to get. Um, but basically, he he you know they were able to repair it there in Elko, and he continued his flight four days delayed. Um, I don't know. I'm babbling here. You guys have any thoughts on this story? Well, it's a demonstration uh, for one thing of the uh, creative nature of Mike Bush. Yeah. Um, Mike was uh, one of the founders of AvWeb, uh, for, and Jeb and I both had uh, several years of uh, doing work for AvWeb under Mike Bush, and uh, he, he, he was computer savvy to the nth degree, Yeah, and uh, he uh, came up with the, this savvy maintenance uh, service, uh, organized it, arranged it. Got it uh, prominently displayed in a lot of places. Uh, his columns appear regularly on uh, AOPA uh, and uh, and other places. And the guy knows his stuff. Uh, if I remember right, he was uh, a, a FAA's uh, maintenance technician of the year a few years ago. Uh, and if you read through the services that they offer uh, through the Savity Maintenance uh, and you fly much at all, I think you'll find some stuff there that would be worth considering. I know if I still had Air Comanche, I sure would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeb, anything? Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything Dave just said. Yeah. Um, I've known Mike 25 years, and... Uh, um, flown with him. I've left seated his 310, um, the whole thing. Um, he, he's very, very knowledgeable. And I was hanging around. We were hanging around, hanging out back in the days when he was developing a lot of his philosophies. He didn't even have his A&P back then. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's got it since. He's got his IA to go with it. And uh, um, He's 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 right about so many different things. Let me take a contrarian. Well, let me finish about Mike. And and if you've got a um, if you're new to aviation and you own your own airplane and you kind of sort of have to rely on what your local mechanic tells you all the time, uh, and you're kind of curious if if you know maybe there's a second or third opinion out there. Uh, Mike's service is is very good. Um, um, clearly up your alley. It's cost effective. Um, and and strongly recommended. Um, they also offer um, EGT, uh, um, uh, I should say, um, uh, engine monitor analysis. If you've got a recording engine monitor, you can send your data to them if there's a problem, and, and they'll analyze it, and, and, and all this stuff is yeah. – if, if it's not it, – it's it's reasonably priced. Some of it is free if you if you just buy in the the the, the yearly um, um, subscription. Um, but 
Um, I wanted to pick one nut with you, Jack. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, I agree that the that the networking and the technology and the devices we have and and, and their capabilities went a long way toward resolving this particular issue. But I would quibble with um, a, a, a distribution system or in a, in a, a parts um, availability system that it took four days to get uh, all the parts necessary to get this airplane back in the air. And I, yeah, some of that was a weekend. Um, How long did it take to get this stuff 25 years ago, 50, 30 years ago. I had to have been well, more okay. than that. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. that and you make a very good point. You make a very good point. Um, I, I, I think this is for an, an IL-550 and a Cirrus 22. Cirrus, the Cirrus line is the most popular single-engine aircraft right now. It has been for um, years. Uh, more of them are manufactured each year in the U.S. than any other single piston single. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um the IL-550 is a big part of that. Um, it's it's a popular engine. It, it's it, There's a lot of them in service, yada, yada, yada. Now, there are some differences between this IL-550 and, and other suffixes of that particular model engine that um, make the parts involved here um, non-generic. But... It, it it just strikes me as a head, little bit of a head scratch. The major problem in, in, in the delay was getting two bolts. Yeah, apparently there were two, special two, bolts or something like that. Stu- you know two, more about this than I do. Yeah, the, there was getting two bolts to Elka, Nevada. And that could, that's just a little bit of a head scratcher to me. But, well, I think there was a weekend involved, too. Yeah, I think uh, there, yeah, there was a weekend involved. But. I mean, I, I will reinforce my point by saying that it is a sign of how far we've come yeah. that we think three do- days is too long to wait for yeah. anything. Okay? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you make a good point with that response. All right. So, uh, anyways, uh, Mike, by the way, uh, before we move on, uh, Mike Bush has actually been on this podcast. Yeah. You guys remember that? Yeah, a couple um, of times. Probably a couple times. The one I remember most, it's kind of interesting that this came up separately. I heard from a listener this past week um, who was advising a friend in the process of buying an airplane. And and the listener um, was referring the friend to the series of episodes. Well, we did one episode and two other friendly podcasts did episodes about the process of buying your own airplane. Um, and, uh, and that was uh, the episode that Mike Bush appeared on where he um, kind of gave us his take on the process, you know, the whole whole pre-inspection, uh, pre-purchase inspection thing. And uh, um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, he was on then, and I, I think you're right. He's probably been on Oshkosh Dailies or something like that mm-hmm. um, uh, once or twice. So. I, he was on early, in a, I believe in the in the in the in the history of of UCAP. And I think we've had him on subsequently also. So I think I think twice. But I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, well, I, I the, might uh, be I might be wrong. Who knows? Yeah, the uh, the buying an airplane series that we did in co- concert. Well, actually, and it was Steve Tupper's idea. He was the ringleader of this. So it was the uh, uh, mm-hmm. Airspeed podcast, mm-hmm. and it was the Finer Points podcast, um, and it was also the uh, the uh, late lamented uh, 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 podcast. Uh, Will Hawkins pod. Will Hawkins and Dave Allen's podcast. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the, the four of us each did covered a certain aspect of the um, aircraft uh, purchase process, um, and uh, yeah. So uh, 
anyways, okay, that's it. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. It's a big commercial for Savvy Aviation. Worth it though. They they deserve every bit of it. It's a good yeah. good uh, I, I, good operation and a good guy. Uh, David, how you doing? What's going on? How's the weather in Wichita? Uh, it's strangely fall like. Uh, <laughs> it's uh. Yeah. This is the only time of year when we can really make Jeb annoy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, how fall like is it, David? Well, it uh, it, it barely got into eighty yesterday. Uh, I don't think it's going to get that warm today. Uh, it's in the seventies. The humidity is up around eighty uh, percent. There is no wind whatsoever. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Also unusual. And for the last week and a half. Uh, Leaves have started coming off the trees because of the extreme heat and lack of moisture that we had. Right, uh, coming into this period of strangely fall-like weather, so uh, that's kind of nice to uh, you know to not having the air conditioning of the house running so much or the office. Uh, and other than that, just keeping on working. Uh, yeah, what you working on? Anything fun? Well, I got a couple of stories in this month's avionics news which should have hit your mailbox uh in the last day or so uh and let's see if i can find where did i put that oh there it is uh one that uh, folks might find interesting to read is uh, uh the uh growing capabilities of integrated avionics systems and how they are becoming more available in more ways uh to uh, the light aircraft crowd uh i mean early on the garmin g1000 was the integrated system to look at for part 23 airplanes and uh since then uh some of these avionics companies have gotten uh, pretty clever in how they put their products out and you can uh, now daisy chain some of these different independent products together uh, from one manufacturer or another so that the functionality is similar to having an integrated package uh, hmm. it, it starts with having a uh, primary flight display in your uh, in your uh, uh, panel straight ahead and uh you can run a lot of stuff through that remotely remotely mounted uh com radios transponders uh and as this stuff gets more and more prominent i expect to see more options uh to to exercise that so that's this month for dave yeah and which publication is that in that was avionics news magazine which you can find uh at aea.net just click on the publications uh tab and uh-huh. it'll and it'll bring up uh, uh avionics news and also the uh 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 2021 1920 1921 uh pilot's guide to avionics in in which jeb and i are both featured yeah. yeah yeah cool cool so, David, this next um, story on the list, which is headlined um, Belly of the Beast, uh, this was actually on the list for last episode, and we ran out of time. Um, and I, I left it, I actually put it on the list and then left it on the list. For some reason, I had this impression that this is a subject that's close to your heart for one reason or another. I, 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 you, may, I, you may need to refresh your memory about what we're talking about here. But tell, what's the story here? Uh, uh, illicit photos from inside the Soviet a Ekranoplan? Yeah. 
Yeah, a Cranoplan. Okay. It's a ground effects aircraft. Okay. Uh, It doesn't get very high. Uh, yeah. Oh, I see it now. All right. I thought I was looking at the picture, and at first I thought that the most of the wings had like been broken off or removed, but the wings are down low there. <laughs> yeah, and, and the Soviets uh, were big on anhedral in a lot of their aircraft designs, and they were big on ground effects vehicle. And this is an eight jet engine uh, ground effects aircraft with, uh, I believe, it's six rocket launchers on top. Oh, is that what those circular things on the top are? Yeah, and if you scroll down at the link, you'll see photos of one oh, of them. Oh, look at that. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, this uh, young lady photographer, she, uh, uh, Lana Sator, or Lana Sator, uh, she'd read about this craft being towed to uh, uh, a port in uh, a city in Dagestan, where it's going to be put on permanent display at a quote-unquote patriotic park. And she uh, booked her own flight and got on site and waded through the water and got aboard this thing and managed to get all over the aircraft and shoot interiors without awakening the security guard there to keep such things from happening. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, the, the lady has uh, enormous moxie uh, to do I, this I, because getting caught doing something like this in Russia today could be the one-way ticket to a, a gulag where you're never seen or heard from again. Right. So, Although on the other hand, she didn't make any big secret out of it after the fact. So, uh, but well, yeah, I got the feeling that you were and haven't been feelings. heard from since. <clears throat> yeah, I know, huh, David? That you were feeling some, uh, like, you know, camaraderie with this fellow photojournalist uh, and uh, yeah, some camaraderie and some envy and a little bit of deja vu. Uh, because of an encounter I had with the Soviet KGB, uh, at the Paris Air, at my first Paris Air Show, when I was invited aboard an air, one of their aircraft for a tour. And when my tour guide disappeared, the next person who showed up was security and tried to put me under arrest for being where I wasn't supposed to be. And I had the note and I had the permission slip. Uh, I didn't have to go to the group W bench finally, but <laughs> for about 20 minutes there, I couldn't get off this aircraft. Yeah. They refused to let me out. And, uh, uh, you're taking photographs. No, no, not allowed. Not allowed. Uh, it, it was an airliner. I mean, it wasn't like one of their, uh, uh, military jets. Right. And, uh, Finally, the guy that had been my original tour guide came back, uh, apologized profusively to me uh, in Russian that, I, of course, didn't understand, chewed some hiney at the other two guys because they should have let me go on seeing the paper pass that I had. But uh, apparently it was me having a camera because nobody else on the aircraft had a camera and other people weren't allowed to take pictures but because of the magazine i worked for uh they were giving me a special break so yeah yeah, i i I had some uh empathy with uh her and and the risk that she was taking yeah and she after the fact what are they gonna do well i don't know but uh 
interesting pictures as she's documented as an uh, interesting bit of aviation history. Does this count can, can as aviation since it was ground effect? But it is aviation. <coughs> it, yes. It's yeah. aviation, baby. It's aviation. Yeah. It's just really low altitude. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so uh, trying to decide if I can use that as the episode title, by the way, what you said just a minute ago. Yeah, this thing has a just a uh, strong, strong uh, steampunk. Um, thing going on. That's what it is. You're right. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's uh, that, that head-on shot. Or, I'm sorry. The, the one, the second wiki, wiki, um, second Creative Commons uh, image is just because the shadows and whatnot is just straight out of some some dystopian novel. Yeah, now, really. Wait, which one are you referring to here? The, the black, black and, and white. The black and white one. Yeah. Of with, the, of it from the front 45 degree angle. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I see. Yeah. That one, yeah, one of these is likely to be the uh, the uh, thumbnail for the episode, but uh, we'll see how that turns out. Well, anyways, yeah. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to this woman for yeah, uh, some uh, really, really uh, uh, good work. Um, yeah, Atlanta Setor. Yeah. 30, 31 years old. Uh, looks like she's using a Fuji Fine Fix uh, digital camera. Uh, really nice p- photography. Uh but it's what she had to go through to uh, to get this that I'm, I'm most admire. Uh, young lady, uh, as they would say, on the other side of the border, got some cojones. Yeah, yeah. Um, another off-field landing here. Um, this is from the Mansfield News Journal. Once again, they don't say where Mansfield is located. Um, but it's apparently near Johnsville, so that pretty much explains it right there. Ohio, apparently. Uh, 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 the, the pilot who safely landed his plane Thursday night in a cornfield along Algier Road said he was uh, giving a co-worker's daughter an introductory flight when he lost power to the plane. Christopher A. Lyons of Athens, Ohio, uh, said he just picked up the, the uh, co-worker's daughter Mar- at Morrow County Airport. Um they were uh, just flying around for fun. The uh, the daughter, the friend's daughter, is a pr- aspiring pilot. It says here, and uh, let's see. Now I'm just kind of trying to summarize as I read through here. But uh, uh, engine spot. Wait a minute. Here it is. Uh, neither he nor the passenger sustained any injuries. Uh, Lyons said it was very instantaneous. I don't know what that means exactly. He said he couldn't restore any fuel to the engine, even though uh, even through the emergency procedures, quote, the engine was still sputtering, but not enough power to maintain altitude or climb, he said. He tried to locate the nearest airport, none within gliding range, and so apparently he set it down in a uh, in a field, in a, in a farm field. And uh, let's see now, it looks like a, a Mooney of some sort. Uh, yeah. And, uh, um, you know, good a job. Short, short body. Yeah. Good job. Nice. Um, the scariest it, part for me, he says, was the first 30 seconds trying to reestablish power. Um, I would imagine. I, I hope I never get myself into this situation, but I would think that that would be the first, you know, kind of like trying to accept that this is happening. And once you accept that it's happening, then, then you know, what did Mav say? That pilot stuff um, kicks in. No, it wasn't Mav. It was Goose said this. Goose said that. Do do that piloting. I can't say it on the family podcast, but yeah, um, the piloting stuff kicks in. And uh, so uh, congratulations to uh, Christopher Lyons. Uh, Any thoughts on this? Uh, Any any observations or we move on here? Yeah. Any landing you can walk away from, of course. Yeah. Um, But 
Is it just me, or has there been a lot more of these recently? Or maybe they're just being more widely reported. I don't well, know. Well, it's always a possibility, but you're right. I've noticed, too, that there are – I mean, look, we've got four. Um, yeah. There's two more still on the list if we get to them here. So uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Um, are, are people flying more because of the pandemic? Are people being more – less careful or careful in a different way i don't know who knows it's 2020 man it's 2020 it's, it's 2020 Any, anything can happen it's 2020 the, the ntsb put out a thing a year uh, a year a month or so ago yeah uh, talking about how because of the pandemic um it's it's kind of occupied some of our, our wavelength and a and b we're maybe not flying as much as we used to whether we're uh, professional or non-professional and uh, as a consequence they're seeing uh, uh, an uptick in what you know, I forget what the what exactly they they called it but uh, an uptick in just you know kind of lack of concentration lack of focus types of, of accident causes um, and I, I, yeah absolutely I get that yeah so okay um so it, here's the uh, the uh, sad news but good news department. Um, so since we recorded the last episode, I think it was actually like the afternoon that we recorded the last episode, um, our friends at the DeLand Sport Aviation Showcase um, announced that they were not going to be able to follow through on their hoped-for n- regular dates in November. Um, we've talked about this on the podcast. They, they were making a valiant, heroic almost effort to uh, figure out how to hold some sort of, um, you know, kind of aviation showcase in in these pandemic times and uh but uh, about a week and a half ago or so um they finally said that it just wasn't going to work for november and so they postponed um and that would have been the news except that um i think it was like pretty recently like yesterday the day before um they announced uh some tentative um replacement dates in january they're not you know so um david you posted on the list uh, you haven't been in touch with them or have you thought about this at all what's what's your thoughts on uh on the deland sport aviation showcase in january well uh jenna phillip uh, the the, uh, the the brain and spark plug behind the deland sport aviation showcase uh had uh, worked with her locals and gone to great lengths to uh, set up the originally planned dates with the requisite social distancing and protections that are, you know, kind of necessary these days. And then the airport got hit by a bad storm and destroyed some of the infrastructure there and that was the reason for the postponement it I was not because okay. I didn't hear that either I'm sorry yeah. sorry to hear that yeah and uh, so they've gotten the uh, they they've gotten sufficiently recovered uh, to uh, put it back on the calendar for uh, January 28 29 and 30 and you'll find the link uh, with our show notes but uh, you can't keep a good show down and uh so the 28th through 30th of next year you'll get to uh access at your pleasure the 2020s deland showcase yeah so they'll probably have two next year well so maybe but i i find it an interesting coincidence that the these dates are pretty much exactly the dates of the old sebring um, sport aviation uh, expo oh that's interesting yeah 
Um, and uh, I, you know, and that was Jaina as well. And I, I'm wondering whether or not she's thinking that might be a better time in general. And this is just kind of a, a serendipitous um, um, opportunity to uh, to move the thing to different times. I, I don't know. I, that's totally me speculating. I have no real information. There it is. I keep every time I go to the Land Showcase uh, homepage, I end up seeing Dave Shelbetter. There he is. Boom, Dave Shelbetter. Um, and Mike Daniels. Um, I, I think they like the November. You do? Okay. Yes. You've, you've spoken to her more about about this kind of stuff than I have. But uh, but it is well, kind of a funny coincidence that they've moved into the week, more or less the week that uh, she used to do Sebring for so many years. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and I don't question that the, uh, the the irony there is not lost on the, on the folks in uh, DeLand or in Sebring. Uh, but... Uh, when I attended the first one of the Deland showcases back in 2016, I believe it was, uh, she and I talked about the you know the, the difficulty in picking dates for events like this when uh, there's so many other things going on. And her first year, the uh, dates coincided with the end of the NBAA convention in right. Orlando, and, and she got quite a visitation. From the uh, NBAA media representatives, myself among them, uh, and it was a very well thought out and and organ- organized little show. But a lot of the faci- facilities were temporary, but they had big plans and they have executed on those plans yeah. pretty well in the years since. So uh, I'm I'm going to look at a uh, leftover airline ticket i've got and see if it uh could be used to get me down there in january oh really and, I, i've been and, thinking likewise um that might be that be, be interesting if we all got in the same zip code again well um, and then i'm going to look at the uh infection rate and the test rates because if it's still as bad as it's no, been no, well, the last last obviously. three months uh uh as much as i'd like to attend uh i'm going to I'm, I'm going to err on the side of yeah. uh, uh, socially distant between Kansas and Florida. Yeah, likewise. Um, so, uh, anyways, we wish that we, uh, we, uh, if it's not obvious, we're a big supporter of uh, of uh, Jana's work and 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 the others who help her, um, and uh, we're rooting for them. Um, hopefully, they can pull off these January dates. So, uh, um, more on this later on. Uh, David, ask Jeb how the weather's been in Florida. <laughs> so, Jeb, other than having a truck stuck in your front yard, what's it like down there these days? I've, I've got a truck stuck in my my in my yard. Um, this is not your basic F one fifty. This is a uh, six wheel flatbed with a, um, a raisable uh, load bed. You dump stuff off and whatnot. Um, guy was here last week to dump off some some construction materials, and banged on the door when he got here. And and said, look, you know, the yard's kind of soft. It's rainy season in Florida. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to back along this part of the yard and stay on the high ground, and then you can get to where you want to be. And he's like, very cool. <clears throat> so um, today I'm I'm, mull- I'm I'm milling about smartly and uh, minding my own business. Um, getting ready for this episode of, of the podcast. And I look out um, the front window here, and I see this truck turning around. 
And I'm like, yeah, I kind of knew that there was going to be a, a delivery. And, well, surely the guy's going to come knock on my door. Um, and I walked out the back to see, you know, where he was, what he was doing. By this time, he was up to the rims. Uh, yep. And it was the same guy as last week. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm like, D- didn't we have this conversation last week about where to where to drive this thing? And he's like, yeah. And and uh, so I I obviously been sitting in here at the, at the computer at my in my office. So you last, haven't had a chance to look for the last hour. I I haven't heard anything, but I wouldn't normally hear anything anyway. Uh, so I don't know. Um, the, the last I and I tried. I've got my little Jeep, you know, four-wheel drive, and and we hooked up a tow strap, and he spun his wheels, and I spun my wheels, and we didn't really get anywhere. So I'm not burning out my clutch for these guys. So, I, you know, I said, you know, you need to get a real tractor or you need to get a heavy-duty tow truck because it ain't coming yeah. out of there. So they were they were trying to stick boards under the rear wheels and all this, and I'm like, all right, fine. Y- y'all, you know, y- you're going to owe me a yard, but, uh, okay, knock yourselves out. So, yeah, okay. That, that's how I'm doing today. Is your yeah, quick? Is it's a long-winded it, yeah. answer to your question. That's, that's it. Uh, no, it's it's interesting. You, we chatted about this a little bit before we pushed record, and I wasn't sure whether you wanted to talk about it. Um, it's a, it's an interesting little life experience. I uh, I want to see pictures of the ruts in your truck in your lawn. Well, this is going to be sad. I just uh, yeah. yeah okay. I've got this. I've got yeah, yeah. I've got this outside construction project going on, and it's 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 a few feet from the house and whatnot. So this is the I, I pulled a guy out yesterday. In a pickup truck, he had, he had a dually pickup truck, um, as opposed to a huge flatbed, um, and I toe strapped him out of there just fine with the jeep. But this this flatbed's not going anywhere. But I'm I'm less than impressed, shall we say? Yeah. With the average truck driver's choice of routes. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Maybe that'll be the – no, it probably won't be the picture on the episode. Uh, what have you been working on? Anything fun? I know you just finished the magazine. Yeah, just right? finished the magazine. Uh, got a couple of uh, really good articles. Um, one on uh, when some IFR – excuse me. <coughs> Again. So we got a couple of good articles. Uh, one on uh, when IFR approaches might not be authorized and why – you know, how you, how you figure that out. Uh, another one was about bucket list airports. You know, we all have a, uh, a a list. It might be a short list. It might be a long list of uh, places we want to go with an airplane. Might be a bucket list. It might be you know Key West for some people. It might be Nome, Alaska for some people. It might be Tangier Island. It might be something that's not in the U.S. Um, it might be Leadville. It might be Death Valley. Um, uh, but. So this is off your beaten path, folks. And what are you going to do to 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 get there safely and get and more importantly get out of there safely? And uh, this was uh, occasioned by one of my con, uh, my contributors, Mike Hart, who had checked one of his bu- bucket list airports off the list um, by flying into a beach. Literally, uh, a plotted runway on a beach uh, on the Pacific Ocean in Washington State. The trick with all of this is the 
runway disappears twice a day when the high at high tide. Oh, okay. So you kind of sort of want to be out of there uh, by that time. Yeah. You know, um, at low tide, it's no issues. You, again, it's a plotted <laughs> runway. It's it's got a windsock, and there's a signage that says this is an airport. You know. Yeah. But twice a day, the runway disappears. Uh, there's also I marine. When that happens. Yeah, I do. I do too. It, it often disappears to me right when I break. Disappears right after I break out and see it. Then I can't see it again, and and it's go around time. But uh, um, you got marine layer stuff going on with this airport. You got all kinds of stuff going on, uh, taxiing and wet sand, dry sand, all of the above. And you got salt water. So it was it was a very interesting little piece. Uh, yeah. made, made the cover, yada yada. So. Um, that and uh, pulling pickup trucks out of my yard is pretty much what I've been doing. Well, there you go. Keeping busy. In yeah. Pandemic Have you ever days. considered investing in a wrecker? Um, like I, he needs another vehicle on that. Like problem. I need another vehicle. Yeah, I have <laughs> I have a sufficient number of internal combustion engines. Um, but no is the quick answer. Um, I have considered investing in a fence <laughs> and, and or signage. It basically says, don't drive here. Yeah, do not. Don't. Okay. Don't even think. Yeah. Don't even think. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that's that's good. Uh, like I said, I, I'm curious to see, or hear anyways, how that all turns out. Uh, if it's still there, I'll get a picture okay. after the app. If you can do it. I don't want to break your heart. It's got to be painful. Uh, you put a lot of energy. I know. I mean, all kidding aside, I know you try hard to keep your, your property and your yard looking nice, and these guys just chewed it up big time. So I would, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. What's what, that? What, what, what you just said. Yeah. yeah. What else here? Uh, so this is an interesting little snippet of video um, that uh, came across Twitter from uh, um, uh, Twitter user Airport Girl um, of a uh, – now, I, I want to call this a 170. Is that a 170? Uh, yeah, that's a 170. So uh, Cessna 170. Cessna 170 um, doing what it, at first looks like a fairly uneventful, normal, under control. I mean, it's more or less under control landing. The gotcha here, the, the punchline is that uh, we're getting a really interesting textbook um, view of a real ground loop here. Um, so this guy's coming in and he touches down, he bounces a little bit, but doesn't seem so bad. And he's trying to roll out. And then all of a sudden the, uh, uh, first little left wing rises, but then the right wing wing rises bad. And he drags the left wing tip and swerves off the runway. Um, this is, uh, appears to, and if you look at it a couple times, you can kind of see clues that there's a pretty good, um, crosswind happening yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and it got away from him and, uh, um, he, you know, he, so. he had a little bit of speed. Um, he bounced the – he's trying to do a, basically a three-point landing or, or at least a, a high-altitude wheel landing or high-attitude uh, wheel landing. Uh, he bounced it, and in the process of, of, of recovering from the bounce, he took out his wind correction out of the aileron. Uh, okay. And when the bounce happened uh, back when, or when the airplane touched down the second time, um, the upwind wing got lifted, mm-hmm. and from there it was uh, just hold on. Yeah, yeah. Um, now it seems to be more or less uneventful. Um, he did swerve off the runway onto the ramp towards hangars, and luckily there were no airplanes parked there. Um, and so he, he, he came... scraped his left wing tip. Now that's my question. We, yeah. and, and, I mean, we, you can see it's on the ground. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. I alluded to this earlier um, when we talked about that uh, airplane um, that got the car drove up his wing. 
and and how much damage dragging a wingtip can do. So someone in the comments here said, okay, well, they'll fly this airplane again, and maybe they will. But I want to, I'm curious about, so once you touch a wingtip, it seems to me that you're given the spars a really good look. Um, am I right about that? Yep. I would be, <laughs> giving the spars a really good look. Um, I mean, the, the, the wingtip on that airplane is, is plastic. The, you, the, uh, the, the very end of it. Uh, chances are that that's the only damage to it. But you're going to pull that off. And you're going to look down the spar. You're going to stick mirrors and lights in there. You're going to open up some of the other covers on the bottom of the wing and take a look and make sure that nothing shows signs of stress in the spar web. Mm-hmm. If you're good there, uh, you could be back in the air with a, a, a patched wing tip in, in the time it takes to change it. Right. Uh, I was at uh, Meridian, Mississippi on my way to Sun and Fun years ago, and a, a guy on a Mooney ahead of me uh, dragged a wingtip, left wing. Uh, he got caught in the rotor wash of a tree line on a very crosswind, strong crosswind landing. Uh, and as I was parking, he was coming out with the uh, local mechanic, and the while I sat in there and got fuel and coffee and filed my next leg, they took the tip off that Mooney, and the guy was shining the light down in it, and the the, the, the wing tip itself was just about ground to the point of not being serviceable. Mm, okay. But there was no damage to anything metal, and there was no damage to the spar web, and the uh, uh, A&P was telling him, we can get you back in the air as quick as we can get a wingtip back on it. Right, right. And, and I think at about that time he was going to call Kerrville, Texas, and see about getting an overnight for that. It was a fairly late model Mooney with the upswept uh, wingtips, and uh, right. I'm pretty sure that they probably had it on the shelf. Yeah. Another thing I find interesting about this 170 uh, uh, video fragment here is the video clip um, is if you watch closely, the amount of side load that they end up putting on this left main gear is kind of interesting to watch. Yeah. Oh, uh, it, it, it leans deforms. way over on the side of this wheel, and I, you know, I mean, I mean, part of it is a it's a testament to these uh, um, the Cessna spring, you know, landing legs are awesome because <laughs> i've i've landed 150s pretty hard and uh, you can do that um but i look closely at that wheel assembly too just to make sure that it didn't get torqued too badly yeah. oh yeah yeah i i want to if it was my airplane um i would want to um and i notice in this also that at some point apparently the guy pulled a mixture because when it finally comes to rest uh the prop stops okay okay um, but I hadn't noticed that. Um, go ahead. The other, he basically was sideways running, moving sideways down the runway with yeah. the left wing tip being the, basically the, the pointy end of the, of the assemblage. Um, yeah, I, I would want to look at the, the landing gear for, um, straightness, if you will, trueness as well as the left wing. Now I want and to. I, I, I want to just, look at. I want to look at the rim. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the rim's probably shot. It's. It's. Uh, and uh, uh, and the uh, left tip 
of the horizontal stabilizer. Now, that's what I'm looking at more closely right now. I want to see whether that touched or not. mm, If you look at it, it's hard to say whether it touched the the ground. I guess you'll notice that that uh, tailpiece also dragged. Yeah. Did it. I'm, it, I'm looking at it. Yeah, I've got it in, in loop mode here. Yeah, I've had it in a loop, too. Com, coming back around. It's hard to say for sure whether or not the horizontal stabilizer dragged its wingtip, too, but it might have. Um, but anyways, uh, it's an interesting piece of video. It's it's, it's kind of, I don't know, would, would, I keep thinking of this as being kind of a textbook um, ground loop. Uh, is that a fair description of this? I mean... Yeah, I think it did. T- oh, it definitely touched the ground. The, did it? The, the horizontal stabilizer and or and yeah. or the the outside portion of the elevator. Yeah, um, I don't know if there is such a thing as a textbook ground loop. This this is a fairly egregious one, and at a higher speed than I would have um, thought would have been likely. I, I've done a ground loop. It was in it was in training uh, in a super D. Um, just doing tailwheel training and, and you know I think the instructor kind of let me ground loop to know what it was like but I haven't had really? one since really okay alright haven't had one uh, since yeah okay what, what it takes to get a to do a ground loop yeah Hey, we're uh, really reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, so, uh, um, I, I, and I just kind of want to touch base on the 737 stuff. But first, just let me say as a, as a, just, so AOPA announced their plans for their 2021 um, fly-in. So they've been doing these these regional fly-ins for years now. They're very popular, um, very successful, great events. And they all got canceled this past year, of course. Um, and AOPA has kind of put a stake in the ground for what they want to try and do in 2021. And they've got some interesting plans and we're sort of running out and this is a story that we'll keep so we'll come back to this in a future episode Um, but if you're at all curious take a look at the IOPA website for details on um, how they're going to try and do um, you know kind of return to live events um, as far as those things are concerned so uh, uh, the uh, seven thirty seven is still grounded, um, and uh, <laughs> there's actually two 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 different kinds of seven thirty seven stories here, right? Um, there's this uh, video of a seven thirty seven apparently stalling at rotation time during a takeoff. At least that's what the com- that description wants you to believe happened. Jeb, what do you think? You put this on the list. I don't know if it stalled or not, uh, but it clearly. Um, settled back to the runway after liftoff. Um, the, this the is suggestion a, here is that he over rotated, and yeah, well, that's part of the problem. The big part of the problem is look at the airplane; it has minimal, if any, flaps extended. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's the flaps are not, and this is a, a certainly a new gen uh, seven three. It's got wingtips and fat engines, um, so it's not. You know, it's got all the bell. It should have all the bells and whistles on it, and one of those bells and whistles is airplane not configured for takeoff. Uh, and they apparently just blew right through that horn, and, yeah. and uh, fire all the throttles um, without any flaps. So yeah, um, you could say it stalled, and it probably did. Uh, they finally got off the ground. Yeah, the headline of the video, the title of the video says fails to take off, but in fact it does take off. Um, I was a little scared when I saw him start to actually take off. I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, is this where the, the stall happens? But apparently it climbs out normally after that. And uh, um, yeah, so. Yeah, my my comment on the list here was it must have been the FO's leg. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, it, it may have been one way or the other, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's an interesting piece of video. Um, there, but I do, so there is news. I'm sorry. And I don't want to shortchange that story. Is there anything else to add to that, yeah. David? You want any thought here? No, David. Okay. Um, 737 wow. max news. Um, so what have they done here, Jeb? It says here, max fixes details. Well, this is, a. <clears throat> This is a uh, an article on uh, the engineering.com website that I'm simply not familiar with. But the article does seem to have some, some detail, and, and uh, apparently it's referenced on uh, um, an FAA statement to, the, to Boeing about what it needs to do to get the MAX uh, fleet back in the air. Um, generally... Uh, it's it's pretty much what we thought it was going to be. Um, they have to update the the uh, maneuvering characteristics augmentation system MCAS right. uh, flight control software. There has to be more than one angle of attack sensor on the airplanes. The uh, apparently uh, dual AOA sensors was a uh, an option. Uh, that was not selected by the uh, owner, by the purchasers, when the two accident airplanes were built, mm-hmm. which is a little bit of a head scratcher because I, you know, every jet I think I've seen has two AOA sensors. Right, and, and I'm trying to remember, wasn't there some sort of scandal in this area at the time about um, that? someone had led to believe that something was installed that wasn't installed or I forget now what it was. It's so long ago. My gosh, this has been going on. This is we're on, we're headed up on two years on this. Yeah. Um, um, anyways, two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The, the, the MCAS, uh, is to be disabled when there's a severe disagreement between the two AOA sensors. Um, here to four, obviously there weren't two AOA sensors. A B, um, the MCAS um, was overreacting, if you will, uh, uh, to the to the uh, to a high AOA. Another change is per the software now, only one MCAS activation per AOA disagree incident, or per AOA incident itself. Which one of the problems was uh, with the two accident aircraft was that the MCAS kept activating once the pilots affected some degree of recovery and after a while the the pilots could not override it anymore right and because they had basically full nose down trim right um the mcas itself will be less aggressive when it's when it's put into uh um, put into operation um and um yeah uh, that, that those are the those are the big hits. Um, sure. um, kind of not what not. I mean, kind of what we've always expected. Kind of what right? we we kind of what we knew was going to have to happen, um, or at least based on on what um, what we knew after these accidents and, and and after the airplane was grounded, based on other reporting, felt like this was going to have to happen. I guess. Um, it's it's are we two years into this or one year into this 17 months 17 story says 17 months since the grounding well i don't know i just saw the phrase 17 months david i'm sorry go ahead which uh since uh, since, well the 
grounding came right after the second accident. Uh, so it's been 17 months. 17 months, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, we're coming up on two years since the first accident. Okay. Yeah. Is, is, is one, one way to put it. And, um, there's also, I think, some par- apparently another uh, um, wiring issue that the FAA wants resolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I'm not sure is is um, related to the uh, the AOA and the MCAS and, and uh, the the accident causes, but uh, there's clearly um, a, a clearly a vibe that you know this this cake wasn't fully baked. Right, right. Now, there's a, and the other story related here um, is there's a one might be able to say actually that the 737 Max will never fly again, um, and that's because there's uh, rumors flowing around that Boeing is going to drop the word Max from its name, and uh, um, which from a marketing standpoint kind of makes sense. I'm not sure if it's maybe a little deceptive to the customer to the passenger. Um, you know, world, but uh, because a lot of people have said, I'm not flying in a 737 MAX, but how, you know, I, I think a lot of generic um, aviation passenger customers might not be able to make the distinction if the word MAX isn't there. Um, this is from a story um, from the website The Motley Fool, which is a, a fairly respected uh, uh, investment website, and they're talking about um, Boeing's business prospects, and one of the segments of the story is about taking MAX out of the 737 MAX. Well, so, yeah. I mean, yeah? What do you think? I don't know. I, I you know they could name it the seven thirty seven advanced, or or just drop Max entirely, well, yeah, or or whatever. But um, I I just don't know. Um, yeah, um, I mean I think you know call I mean, it the seven thirty eight. Right. Well, apparently that's what. Um, so according to this website, um, Boeing used the phrase. They were talking about the, the somebody ordered one. We talked about this in a recent episode, um, and Boeing used the phrase "enter air to purchase up to four Boeing 737-8 jets." That's what Boeing ref- referred to it as mm-hmm. the 737-8. Mm-hmm. And so Motley Fool is 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 speculating that maybe Boeing's just playing going to going to call them the 737-8 and then dash nine and the whatever. All right, um, which is. Okay, you know, I mean, they got to do something. I, the marketing guy in me knows they got to do something. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would be more troubled if they really dramatically changed its name. That, that would be confusing and and borderline deceptive, if you ask me. Um, simply dropping the word Max, eh, maybe that's not so bad, you know, because um, it's always been called the Dash Eight Max, right, or the Max Dash Eight, or something like that. Well, there's already, and this this is one of the things about this story that I'm, I'm not sure I agree with. There's already. Um, designations of the 737-800 and 900 that are not not Mac, part of the MAX line. Mm-hmm. For one thing, they don't have the same engines as the MAXs. Uh, and, of course, make a long story short, the engines are part of the problem. Um, but uh, I don't understand that this reference in here uh, to, to that. So I... Well, I mean, it may, it may be wrong. I mean, it's not an aviation website, so maybe they've got yeah, it wrong. Yeah. But uh, um, um, time will tell. It's all yeah. interesting. Yeah. 737 is still grounded. Um, and there's still, yeah, there's still a bunch of them. I don't know. I, I'm just glad I'm not at Boeing right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Uh, we were just way along here. We there's two more off little landings here, but they'll they'll keep, and uh, I'll, we'll we'll come back to them later on. Um, so uh, I think it's fork time. Anything? You, you, anybody disagree? No. Okay. All right. Can I use the fork on the the truck driver, the flatbed <laughs> truck driver? Okay. Yeah. Pictures of that, please. Uh, thank you, guys. Always a blast. Uh, uh, enjoy getting together. Uh, Dave Higdon uh, is a who's very quiet this episode. Um, uh, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically quiet. You still there, David? Right. Hi, David. Hi, Jack. Uh, yeah, is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. You can find his work online at abbuyer.com uh, and aea.net. And on Twitter, he is Real Higdon. And Jeb Burnside uh, is uh, of, of uh, still hot and humid Florida and trucks stuck in the yard um, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety magazine and also as a regular contributor to other aviation publications online you can find jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com and his magazine is on twitter as uh, av safety mag and you can also find his work at aea.net and avweb.com and on twitter he is burnside j and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most uh, of the usual places with the uh, all one word, all one word. You, I thought I had rewritten this so I could say it, and I've obviously failed. The all one word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon slash Jack Hodgson. And you can find my eBooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And finally, sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Hey, David, was there something you want to tell us? Key. The key to long life. Happiness and sticking with it. It's airtime. Because, you all know, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Real quick, though, before we leave, quick riddle. Yeah? What's the difference between a duck and a co-pilot? The difference between a duck and a co-pilot. Uh, David, you have an answer? No. No? Okay. What is the difference between a duck and a co-pilot? The duck knows how to fly. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>